All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age, we live fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thing in the box? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a prick in the neck. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar, your host once again for, you know, Disney conversations in a podcast form. And if you know me and if you have talked to me and if you talk to my wife and ask my friends probably, they will tell you that this conversation is much like any other conversation. Not only is it about Disney, but also it's pretty one-sided as I'm doing a lot of the talking because that's kind of how I am. I'm not apologizing for it. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag there for you. So this is episode number 31 of this uh, this podcast. Having a good time with this. We didn't have a show last week, and, and I'll tell you why. We had several, I mean, just it was a busy week, first of all, um, as a Disney travel planner, uh, because I am a Disney travel planner. Uh, you know, Memorial Day is a busy week because a lot of vacations are happening that week. A lot of things are going on, and so I was busy all week getting this, that, and the other done. Uh, my family and I, we went to the to the mountains up to get, uh, to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We saw Rock City, and we saw um, we saw the Emerald Falls, Ruby Falls, where the 145 foot waterfall underground, like 1,100 feet underground. So we got to see that and got to do all that. So that was kind of fun, and it's just been a busy, busy week. Facebook gave me a little bit of trouble because apparently. There is this thing called Facebook Business Manager, and I don't know anything about Facebook Business Manager, but I went to bed one night, and and I have a a couple of Facebook pages. I have two, actually, for Disney. One is called Magic on a Dollar, and that's more of a fan community, and I do invite you to join that. that. I don't post there a ton. I'm hoping other people will post there because it's more more interactive. I mean, really, people can talk to each other there and kind of working on building it up. we got a a handful of followers over there, so we're hoping to kind of build that. That is Magic on a Dollar at Facebook.com. Or Facebook.com slash Magic on a Dollar, I guess you would call it. The business site is Disney on a Dollar. And I started that page somewhere around 2013. And we built it up to quite a good page. I mean, I've got a lot of followers there and a lot of people there. And the, well, the way the business page is set up, however, if you post there, there's a lot of chances I won't see it because the way it's, the way Facebook algorithms are set up, you know, you don't see it a whole lot there. So, uh, but I have that as a Disney Facebook page, a business page, and that's kind of where I do most of my postings there. I'll post news and reviews and things like that and answer questions and such, and I get a lot of business from the from the direct messaging, so I have that there, but it's very important that uh, that I have access to that because I have messages I have to get to. A couple of years ago, I had a problem with Facebook spending my account for something stupid. I won't go into that, but if you know me, you'll know what I'm talking about, and I realized the importance of having a second administrator on there, so I put my wife as an admin on there so I could reach the page if something happened to me or to my page side. Well, business manager exists, and I woke up one night having Facebook Disney on a dollar on a or on a, on a Facebook page. Woke up the next day, and it had been moved over to business manager. Now I know a lot of people this happened to as well. They all kind of struggled, and there was a real problem because when you go into Facebook business manager, there's a there's a lack of a login screen, so you have to create a page, and you have to go in, you have to import your page, you have to remove it, and but it's a it's a work. It really is a work. And then I found out that I, even though it recognized me as the owner. It did not actually recognize me as an administrator of my own page. So I had to go through my wife's uh, login to access the page, to make myself an administrator, to go back into business manager. And all that took me over a day to take care of. That's probably the main reason we didn't have a show. Because Thursday hit and I'm like, I don't even have any show notes. I have nothing prepared for the show. Whatever. I'm just next week and, and hopefully people will download and I'll... 
I'll give people an extra week to talk about and to listen to the WW 50 and 24 that we did two weeks ago, that, uh, you know, the, the show that we posted for there. So I hope you enjoyed that show as well. So that's my little, my little issue with Facebook, and all is well now. All is well. You can go to Disney on a dollar, and you can subscribe to that and like that page as well. But the cool thing is, and of course I mentioned Disney on a dollar started in 2013. As, as time went by and I got bigger and bigger, and I, I, thought, I thought to myself, you know, Maybe having the word Disney in my title probably isn't going to be kosher when it comes to Disney. I don't know that they're going to like me using their name as a part of a business brand because my business brand is Magic on a Dollar Travel. And so my wife said, well, let's do Magic on a Dollar and maybe start transitioning to Magic from Disney. And that's what I've done overall. One of the things that's been sticking out was Twitter because I had Disney on a Dollar. Over here on Instagram, I've got Magic on a Dollar and this is the Magic on a Dollar podcast and I've got the Magic on a Dollar Facebook page and and yet I've got Disney on a dollar on Twitter. Well, yesterday, yesterday, literally, I was able to secure Magic on a dollar on Twitter. So I am now a social media platform across the board, Magic on a dollar, at Magic on a dollar on the Insta, Magic on a dollar on Twitter, and of course I have Magic and Disney on a dollar on Facebook. I am a very happy, happy man. So let's do some Disney news here for you. A lot of Disney news, actually, to work with because it's been two weeks since you and I have chatted. So let's just kick it off here at the top. Disney Junior. The Disney Junior Show is going to be getting some major, major changes. The Disney Junior Show will be coming this fall to Hollywood Studios. Now, before, they had something called um, called Disney Junior Live on Stage. You go in there, and, and I had never experienced it until about two or three years ago. Now, of course, having a child, I started paying more attention to what was on the Disney Channel. And at the time, it was Sophia and Doc McStuffins and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Jake and the Neverland Pirates was kind of big. And uh, when I worked at the Disney Store ten years ago, that's kind of what Handy Manny, Agent Ono... Maybe that one, and there was a few more that were really popular. And of course, they come in phases every couple of years. A new character comes through, and Vampirina is the kind of the big one now, as well as Elena of Avalor. Uh, so she's come through, and and uh, the Lion Guard is really big now. So is PJ Masks. But one of my contentions with the Disney Junior Live on stage, and also with the character meal they have at Hollywood and Vine for breakfast, the, the Disney Junior characters is they have a lot of older characters. Disney Junior Live on stage sometimes featured Handy Manny. And the character breakfast over at Hollywood and Vine featured Handy Manny. I don't know where Handy Manny even comes on anymore. Like Sunday at 2 in the morning. Handy Manny is gone. That's a character that is that is past. He is gone. He has already grown up. He now manages a Lowe's and does a construction business. Handy Manny is doing his own thing now. So let's get rid of Handy Manny. So I'm hoping that'll be that'll make a change. But this new show is coming called the Disney Junior Dance Party. It's going to be based on new characters, Mickey and the Roadster Racers, which is a big deal now, Doc McStuffins, of course, the Lion Guard, and Vampirina. Where is PJ Masks? That's my question to Disney. PJ Masks is a big deal, and, and I'm hoping we're not to the end of the PJ Masks run, because my kid loves PJ Masks. He was Catboy for Halloween, and he loves Catboy and Owl and Gecko, and so I'm waiting for them to come and kind of make an appearance, even just make an appearance in the park in terms of characters and stuff. And now, September 1st, 2018 will be the last day of the Disney Junior Live on stage, and it is a puppet show kind of thing. You go in there, you sit on the floor, and they have, like, puppetry. It's a cool show, but it's a little outdated because the characters are outdated. So I'm okay with this going away, the Disney Junior Dance Party coming up, which is which is pretty cool because unlike the puppet show, which takes a lot of work to rework, you know, the new scenes, um, and maybe even they have, maybe even have some trouble with the uh, Hollywood and Vine uh, character meal, character. Well, I'll take that back. There's no reason they don't have new characters there. But this dance party should be cool because they can integrate new characters as we go along, including Elena Valor and maybe PJ Masks. So, so that should be fun. Rumor, rumor mill, but it's a strong rumor mill because reports are that Disney has hired a design firm and a construction firm to do this. But the rumor mill is flowing that River Country will finally be demolished to make way for a brand new Magic Kingdom 
Hotel. Now, people, if you don't know what River Country is, it was a water park that uh, was at Walt Disney World many, many years ago. And uh, the site has been kind of abandoned and left to rot for almost 20 years. It's kind of like a, kind of in the middle there of, of, by the Magic Kingdom. Slides, pool structures. It's almost like everybody just got up and walked out and walked away and left it there. It's just been sitting there. If you go in the Googles, you can actually see pictures of people taking pictures of, of river country illegally. Don't. I'm going to tell you this. Don't do this. Do not get out of the boat and swim over there in the middle of the night to river country because if they catch you, they will arrest you and they will ban you from the park lifetime. So do not do this. But you can go on the Googles and you can actually find people who have done this, who have taken pictures, and it's really eerie. It's really kind of weird to see water slides with like little uh, weeds growing up through it, and you'll see like different staircases and different fixtures and stuff, and ticket booths, or whatever, with the weeds growing through it. It kind of reminds me of one of those apocalyptic movies that take place in like Chechnya or something, where the zombies are coming through and the and the heroes are walking through the gates and they're seeing like these this the old town that's just been overrun by weeds and you know just something crazy is going to happen. Um, that's what it reminds me of. But now Disney World is looking like they're going to take away. Take away all the river country stuff and build a hotel there. Now, how is it going to look? I have no idea. This is the opening stages of this. Orlando Sentinel is actually reporting that they are confirming that Disney is indeed building a hotel on top of the river country site. Uh, so there you go. For what it's worth, Orlando Sentinel is saying that. So uh, we'll see more about that as the time goes by because, you know, that's going to be coming up real, real soon. That's going to be hitting big. I mean, a hotel there would be cool. We'll see what kind of theme it is and, um, you know, how much it's going to cost. Speaking of hotels... The Star Wars Hotel. I'm getting I'm getting questions about this now. People are asking, when can I book it? When can I book it? When can I book it? You can't book it. I'm going to say probably till at least the end of next year, if not 2020. I'm not saying don't ask me. I would love your questions. I'd love to talk to you to get to meet you about your questions and stuff. But right now, this is just its not going to happen. I can't book anything. So Star Wars Galactic Edge, of course, is opening at the end of 2019, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Disney confirming they are going to be building a, a brand-new Star Wars-themed hotel right next to the Hollywood Studios. And apparently, you're going to be able to walk out of that hotel into Galaxy's Edge. Now, in case you also didn't hear... Black Spire Outpost is the name of the, the area, the village, that will be taking place in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge is the name of the Star Wars area in Hollywood Studios. It's uh, The story is that it's taking place on a planet called Batuu, B-A-T-U-U, in a village called Black Spire, or Black Spire Outpost. Now, they talk a little bit about that in Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, the movie that has just come out about a week or two ago. And we'll come, we'll get to that. We're going to get a review of that coming later on in the show. The hotel itself, as we've talked about, will have an immersive experience. You go in and you, you know, you are a character. You have the choice of being a character if you'd like, and that is your character throughout your adventure in the hotel and also through Galaxy's Edge. I think characters in Galaxy's Edge in the parks will recognize you by your, I guess, magic band maybe or or whatever. Um, and all the windows in the hotels will have this uh, have this this overlook into space. It'll be a completely immersive experience, which would which would be really really cool. So that's going to be fun. And of course, we, again, we don't know anything else beyond that. So they're. They're, they're giving enough details to make everybody really, really pumped and interested, but not enough details that they can't change them without too much work. Uh, so we'll see. I, more of that will come probably next year, so maybe at the end of this year you'll hear more and more about um, the hotel. D23 is coming up, and I think you're going to really hear a lot of that. And, of course, Destination D, which is the, the – every other year they do D23 in Anaheim, and the off years they do Destination D, and I believe Destination D will be this year. And so you'll hear a little bit about that. That's kind of one of the one of they make some of the bigger announcements, of course. So that's coming up. That's to be news news you can use, I guess. Minivans now available for all guests. Minivan has been available for Walt Disney World Resort guests for some resorts, but now it's you get point-to-point -point travel options 
across the park, which is $25, which seems like a lot, but you get on your Lyft app on your phone, and you can request, no matter where you are on property, request to be some be picked up, and you can go to another location. And it's it's a little pricey, but it's worth it. If you need to get somewhere kind of early in the morning, and this is a great deal for families, let's say they have the early morning breakfast, they have Cinderella's Royal Table at you know, 7.30 in the morning, it's 6.30, 6.45, you could try to get to catch a bus uh, by 7-ish, maybe. Uh, a bus will get there, you know, 7.15, 7.20. You're trying to log in. You're hustling across the park. D don't do that. Call a minivan around 6.50, 7 o'clock, 7.05. They will pick you up within 5 to 10 minutes, and they will take you across the across the park. New ticket concourses at Animal Kingdom. Uh, they're going to have something now where you can actually purchase tickets in the middle of Animal Kingdom. And this is something I'm wondering why Disney hasn't done, basically, putting a guest relations in different parts of the park uh, where you can actually purchase tickets. Animal Kingdom, now through September 29th, the park will be testing a new in-park ticket sales known as the Ticket Corner. This ticket location can be found just outside of Discovery Trading, and you can purchase regular theme park tickets, upgrade your tickets with additional days, add the Park Harbor feature, purchase annual pass, buy tickets for special events, and all that kind of thing. So basically, it's like a like a ticket window guest relations. Not really a guest relations. You probably won't be able to do fast pass stuff there, but like a ticket window in the middle of the park. And I'm wondering why you wouldn't do that. Whenever I'm working on random randomly for you, when I'm working on Roller Coaster Tycoon and I'm playing Roller Coaster Tycoon and I'm building my park and everything, I always put like two guest relations in various parts of the park because that's a long way to walk to the front to buy tickets or to upgrade or whatever. So, you know, this is actually a really good idea, and I'm hoping it catches on, and I'm hoping it goes to other parks as well, to put ticket windows and even guest relations locations in other parts of the park. And I think I think Magic Kingdom has done this, where they put, like, a small guest relations window in a different part of the park, so you don't have to go to the front. So I think this is a great idea. Disney, you are on the right track with this. This is awesome. Something else they're on the right track with as well is continuing to go digital with their Magic Bands and stuff. Something that has been... Still with paper is the rider swap, and the rider swap simply is, rider switch is what they call it, simply is a baby swap. So if you're a family with small children and you have children who don't or cannot ride the ride, one member of the family, like one adult of the family, and any children that want to go that can ride the ride uh, can ride it. When they come off, the kid can ride again, and the next parent goes up. Um, and for instance, for example, if you have a family of four, let's say you have a mom and dad, a six-year-old, and a one-year-old, and the mom and dad and, and the, the, the six-year-old want to ride you know, Seven Doors Mine Train. And so they get a rider swap. Now they have to go through the regular line, the first one does. So dad takes the six-year-old through the regular line, they wait, and while mom and the one-year-old, they go do something else. They go have some ice cream, or they go to the splash pad at, at Casey's Corner, or whatever, do something else. Uh, or Casey Jr. down at Storybook Circus, do, do something else. So whenever they're done, dad and the six-year-old come off, while mom and the six-year-old can go back. The six-year-old gets to ride twice, lucky for them, while dad and the one-year-old kind of walk around and do some stuff. And, it, and they can actually go through the fast pass line. So mom does not have to wait the extended amount again. And this is kind of how it works, and this is how it will continue to work, except this time they're going to put it on your magic band. It's really, really cool. The process will allow families with children under the height requirements a chance to ride while a family member waits with a child outside. That's the official description. Um, and so you'll be able to put it on the magic band here. That's really, really cool that you'll be able to do that because carrying around those little passes are sometimes kind of obnoxious. It's just... It's just a lot to do, and so I don't know that I would I wouldn't uh, I would worry about that anymore. The, that's coming at the end of June. You'll be able to skip the fast passes and stuff and go straight to the Magic Bands for everything, which is kind of nice. Let's look at some Disney history. This this week in Disney history, a big week for movies, a big week for me being a Marvel movie geek because in 2012, the Marvel's The Avengers was released, one of my top 20 favorite films of all time. I cannot tell you how much I love this movie. It's so great, and it's so just. 
it's a common a small combination of a few movies that have come before it and it sets up what's to come and of course I've gone on and on about Infinity War and how great that is and how Marvel has done something that no other company has really been able to do um, but that was released in 2012 2016 we saw Captain America Civil War which is another one of my favorite films I saw Civil War and Winter Soldier actually in a double feature the other day on television and they hold up they're great movies. They're wonderful movies. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two came out last year at this week, uh, this week in Disney history. So three great Marvel movies, all Memorial Day week, uh, all released. Six five, um, June fifth was a big day in two thousand five because not only was Soarin' opened up for the first time, Lights Motors Action was also opened up for the first time, and that was kind of a cool thing because it was a uh, it was the stunt show, the car stunt show over at Hollywood Studios, and they had something called Cinderella Bration. A glittering stage show opening up at the Magic Kingdom as well, and debuting is the Disney's Magical Express, which is a complimentary round-trip airport transfer for Disney World hotel guests. And all that premiered on one day, June 5th, uh, 2005, so that's kind of a big day. Of course, Soarin' is uh, inspired by Soarin' over California, which was already a California venture. Florida's version opened up inside the Land Pavilion at Epcot. And of course, the idea that the idea is that you will be able to take a flight over California You'll be able to see, uh, you know, various parts of California. The Epcot standby queue featured pictures of natural wonders around the world, not just from California. And of course, you had David Warburton or Patrick Warburton, uh, also known as Putty from Seinfeld, coming up and giving your your opening speech, which is really cool. Everybody loves Putty. Everybody loves that character. Uh, Let's Motors Action Extreme Stunt Show was based on the Motors Action Stunt Show Spectacular, which was at Disneyland Paris. Revolved around a series of energetic stunts featuring automobiles. The show was around 40 minutes or so, including pyrotechnics, jet ski chases, and physical stunt work. It was a great show, and I saw it a couple of times. It's not one that I would go see every single time. But it was a great show because it was it was comfortable, and if you could get there in time, especially during the summer, get there in time, you'd be able to sit under an awning and rest your feet in the shade for about 40 minutes. But if you didn't get there on time, you would end up sitting in the bleachers in the direct sunlight, and it was hot as Hades, hot as blue blazes. And so that's one of those things. You had the time just right. The theater itself held like 1,200 people, something like that, uh, and about 400 of them were in the direct sun, so that was no fun at all. And, of course, you're watching hot cars and fire and everything all over the stage, all over the stage area, so it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Um, I saw it for the last time in March of 2020. 15 maybe it was the year that it closed i want to say 2015 maybe 2016 something i don't remember a couple of years ago but it was a good show it was a fun show and i i kind of miss it uh, of course all that is going away because toy story land will be opening up in a few weeks and star wars land is coming next year and cinderella bration which is something i'm really not that familiar with i'll be honest with you it's a live musical stage show located on the castle forecourt stage at the magic kingdom which portrays the coronation of cinderella I mean, really, that's all there is to it. It's just the coronation of Cinderella. They had a Cinderella Bration, which is a clever, fun name. And, of course, this show in front of the Magic Kingdom changes every couple of years to a brand new thing. Uh, of course, in 2006, it was also a big deal this week, too, because Mickey Mouse Clubhouse debuted. Who doesn't love Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and the hot dog song? My kid loves the hot dog song. Your kids love the hot dog song. And chances are that you love the hot dog song if you haven't heard it a thousand times like I have. Hot dog, hot dog, hot deputy dog. And the Disney's acquisition of Pixar's animation studio was complete. Disney now completely owned Pixar as of this day in 2006. So that's something else. 1950, and this is a big deal too, because in 1950, the first engine officially ran on the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad. What does that even mean? Well, the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad was Walt Disney's backyard train 
That's right. He had a train in his backyard. It was a small train. It wasn't something you, you kind of sit on. And it was almost like if you took a red fire wagon and built a train car out of it where it was just big enough for you to sit with your kind of feet kind of hanging off the end. That size train. Um, it was a backyard train at the Carrollwood Drive home in California. 2,615 feet of track with a 46-foot-long trestle and a 90-foot-long tunnel under his wife's flower bed. So she built a flower bed, tunnel went under it, uh, walked, controlled, controlled the track from a special barn that acted as his central headquarters for railroad operation. The railroad would be credited with becoming part of Walt's inspiration for the creation of Disneyland, and the barn would later be moved to Griffith Park. It's this is, He loved trains. He loved trains. And so this is one of those, I guess if you were to say, okay, let me give me five reasons Walt Disney built Disneyland. This is going to be one of them. This is one of the key components of his inspiration of what he what he does um, and what he ended up doing at Disneyland. He loved trains. He loved the, not just the train itself, but also the family aspect of it. And he loved having kids from the neighborhood that would come over and they would sit on the train cars and go to the train around the backyard. And he loved trains. He had a train set in his backyard, a person-sized train set that you could ride. So that's pretty cool. And you can kind of see these at Disney museums and stuff. And the trains you see going around Disneyland and you see at the Magic Kingdom, those are inspired and if not exact replicas of his trains that he had in his backyard. In 1991, I don't think, a lot of people don't know this, by the way. I don't think I knew much about this. I'd heard this, and I'm going to do some more research on this because I think this would be a fun topic. Um, newspapers report that Disney proposes a $3.1 billion, that's with a B, project to build a new theme park called Westcott in Anaheim. The tentative plans call to build hotels, retail space, and a second theme park looking like Epcot on 470 acres, basically building a Disneyland world out there. Like Walt Disney World has the four parks on the property. They were doing, they were looking at doing the same thing in Anaheim, California. 470 acres, by the way. Let me just tell you that the Disneyland itself is about 75 acres, and California Adventure is about 55 acres. So you're looking at about 125 acres. We're talking 470 acres, so like four times the size of what they have now. This was never built, obviously. Westcott was what they were going to call it. And there's a lot of meat to this. So we're going to have to get into this sometime pretty soon because I really want to know more about this. I actually just discovered this. This even existed a few days ago. And so now I'm very intrigued about exactly how this works. And finally. Now that we got Disney history out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Solo, a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story, I saw about 10 days ago, and I was pretty excited because this is a Star Wars movie, right? Everybody's excited for a Star Wars movie. Uh, this is kind of the origin story of Han Solo. This is kind of where he comes from, kind of his, his days as a youngster, as a young uh, young rascal, in the, I guess in his teens, maybe early 20s, uh, on the, the planet Corellia. Of course, we know that Han is Corellian. So the planet Corellia, uh, you know, his involvement in kind of the... the the life of petty crime, I guess, kind of working with mobs and gangsters and stuff back in the day, and how he almost joined the Empire, but he didn't, and because they didn't take him, and so on, and so on, and so forth. We meet Lando Calrissian along the way, and we meet Chewbacca along the way. We, we have the faithful moment of uh, Han and Chewie meeting for the first time in a very unusual fashion. So that happens as well, and of course we get to see a glimpse of a few characters that maybe, you know, maybe uh, are kind of spoilers. I don't want to spoil it for you. So Solo Star Wars story starts off, and I'm, again, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it starts off with him and his young lady friend, and they are trying to escape the clutches of somebody they owe money to. They're trying to get off the planet so they can go make a life for themselves, and things go awry, and things don't happen the way they should. So Smash got to three years later. Three years later, Han Solo is, uh, is, is on a planet, and he's working, and he's trying to, trying to escape, and he's trying to, again, go find her, go back to Corellia, and find this young lady that he is he has been separated from. Now, I hope that they didn't spoil it for you because that's really all in the first, say, 15 minutes of the movie. 
And, of course, along the way, he meets up with Lando Calrissian, who is played brilliantly by Donald Glover. And if you don't know who Donald Glover is, he's kind of a somewhat new guy in the Hollywood scene. He's been in some bit pieces here and there, and I would arguably say this might be one of his biggest roles so far on the TV on, on the movie screen. On the TV screen, he actually produces in, uh, is in a show called Atlanta, which I have not seen, but I've heard is very good. It's uh, award-winning. He's picked up Emmys and things like that, Golden Globes or whatever, for Atlanta. Donald Glover was also in The Martian. If you've never seen The Martian, uh, or if you have seen The Martian, he is the character who comes up with the plan to slingshot around Earth and go back to Mars to pick up uh, Mark Watney, played by Matt Damon. Uh, he's also in Spider-Man: Homecoming. He was kind of the guy trying to buy the guns in the middle of Star, uh, the middle of the movie, where you know Spider-Man intervenes, things go awry, and of course Spider-Man rolls up on him, you know, putting ice cream in his car, and he zips, he webs his hand to the trunk to try to talk and get some information out of him. That's Donald Glover. He also is known as a, a rapper by the name of Childish Gambino. That is Donald Glover. He is in this movie, and he is wonderful in this movie. He steals every scene he's in. He's got this big charismatic smile, and more than any other, I think, character that I've seen a young version of, watching him and thinking to myself how he's going to become the Lando Calrissian that we know from Empire Strikes Back with Billy Dee Williams, I can see that transition. I can totally see it. I can see how this guy becomes that guy, and however many years later this, this movie happens. Uh, he is fantastic in this movie. Alden Ehrenreich plays uh, Han Solo, which is a very tough order, because you're coming on the heels of one of the most iconic characters in movie history. Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, is someone that is just... I mean, people you know, people go as him for Halloween. They dress as him for now. They have action figures for him. I mean, like, action figures for Han Solo are probably worth more than any other. a lot of the other figures are worth. Um, he's just like this iconic mainstay. In a hundred years, we will know who Han Solo is as part of the Star Wars universe. We will know who this character is, even if we forget about Rogue One and we forget about what's happening in The Force Awakens and Rey and Finn or whatever. We will know Luke Skywalker, we will know Princess Leia, and we will know Han Solo. So him coming on to play Han Solo is a tall order, and the good thing about it is he doesn't try to imitate Harrison Ford. He doesn't try to give you this, I'm gonna, this is how I'm gonna talk the whole time. It's kind of like a Vin Diesel thing. He doesn't do that. He comes out, he plays it the best he can, kind of with a swagger, with a cockiness, with an air of, of arrogance, as, as Han Solo would be, and would have, even as a young young lad. Um, he plays him very, very, pretty well. And if you don't know who Alden Ehrenreich is, he was the guy that's in a movie called Hail Caesar. The movie itself is not that good, but it does have a scene between himself and Rafe Fiennes that is one of the best movie scenes I have seen, one of the funniest movie scenes I've seen in, I don't know, a decade. Uh, there's a scene where he and Rafe finds are going back and forth, and Rafe is trying to get him to to say a certain line in a certain way. Alden, playing a character named uh, named Hobie, is kind of a countryfied guy, and he's getting it wrong the whole time. And they go back and forth. And find that on Google or on YouTube. It is it's fantastic. So he plays that part there as best he can, as best he can. Also starring in Solo is a uh, young lady named uh, Amelia Clark, who you may know from other from other things, including uh, Game of Thrones, I believe. Now, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I understand that she's Daenerys uh, in, in Game of Thrones, so she's from that. She's also in a movie called Me Before You. She was in the series Terminator Genesis as uh, Sarah Connor, so she's been around and some, done some other fun stuff. Woody Harrelson, of course, the, the iconic Woody Harrelson, who's been in a thousand things, and you'll know him. If you don't know him, that means you just don't watch movies. He plays a character named Tobias Beckett. Thandie Newton, who's in Westworld now, she's in this. Paul Bettany, as you may know, as Vision from the Avengers movies, as well as other movies. Uh, John Favreau plays a voice in this. Um, there's a, a bunch of other ancillary characters as well. So, you know, of course, in the character of Chewbacca is played by Junus Sutamo, who is not the usual guy who plays uh, Chewbacca, who I can't think of the guy's name, 
he's pretty old and pretty frail at this point. So we have somebody else who is in a costume. I mean, it's not... I don't want to say it's not hard to play Chewbacca. I'm sure that it is for what that is. But it's not like he has to do lines and sound like somebody. But anyway, so the movie itself. What do I think about the movie itself? I think the movie is good. I don't think the movie is great. It is not my favorite of the Star Wars movies. It's somewhere, I would say, of the 11 Star Wars films, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the two movies that have come out, Episode 7 and 8. Uh, then you've got Rogue One. And you've got this one, and then I also count the Clone Wars, which was a theatrical release, and it does kind of go into into this series. Clone Wars is my least favorite of all of these. Clone Wars is not good. It's just it's just not a good film. Uh, it's an animated film, and it just was not done right. But I would probably put Solo: a Star Wars Story well below Rogue One, which I loved Rogue One. I think this is somewhere probably six or seven on the list, maybe ahead of the prequel trilogy, kind of buried between Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Here's my thing with Solo. It's a good movie, but and I think you probably have heard people say this. It's a movie that, number one, we didn't need. We really didn't need this movie. And that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy this movie, but it doesn't really further the narrative of the Star Wars story. It just kind of tells you the, the story of a character who, for all intents and purposes, is is dead. I mean, the character died in Force Awakens, so there's no more Han Solo going forward. Maybe there's a legacy of Han Solo, but there's nothing in this that's going to carry on to future movies. Now, if you look at them, obviously the obviously the obvious comparison is Rogue One. Well, did we need that one? Maybe we didn't need that one, but it kind of gave them. It kind of built into the mythology of Star Wars. You kind of had an understanding, a better understanding of how Episode Number One, or I guess Episode Four, A New Hope, kind of kicks off. You know, it kicks off with the ship flying, and there's Darth Vader coming on the ship, and they're looking for the plans. How did that plans get there? How did the Death Star get built? How? Why is that that? It, one thing is one of the things the jokes I've always heard is why did they put this big self-destruct mechanism right in the middle of the Death Star where anybody can fly in and blow it up? You know, all that is answered in Rogue One, and it just adds to the richness of the story. And Rogue One is a war film. I mean, it, it is a flat-out war film. The last hour of that movie is a battle scene, and it is fantastic. And I think that's why I like it so much is because it's just such an action-packed battle scene where a lot of people die and a lot of crazy things happen, and it's just a good movie. The Han Solo movie. It doesn't really add into this, and I think one of the things, that, the, the second thing that, that bugs me about this is that there are things we don't need explained. We don't need to know what happened with the Kessel Run, which you find out in this. It's like that iconic, you know, I, I did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, talking about how fast the Millennium Falcon is. That's something we didn't need to explain. There's a mythology there, a mystery there to Han Solo that, that we could all use our imagination to find out what the Kessel Run is. Well, guess what? In Han Solo, in Solo, a Star Wars story, you get the Kessel Run. You figure it out, you find it. You know, you find out in the original trilogy that Han Solo won um, won the Millennium Falcon from Lando in a card game. Guess what? We see that happening. And I kind of feel like that the writers of this movie kind of had a checklist of things that, if, hey, if we got one shot for this Han Solo movie, we only got one way to, we got one chance to show everybody what Han Solo is all about. So let's go down this checklist of things. Okay, so he meets Chewie. Check. Uh, he holds a blaster for the first time. Check. And, you know, Chewie puts on his bandolero, his, his, his drape of, of, of ammo. Check. I mean, like, there's these things that you just run in this list of checklists, one, two, three, to make sure they squeeze all that in there. And I just feel like it was unnecessary. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go see this movie. If you were a Star Wars fan, go see this movie. Support this movie. This movie's not doing well at the box office. And it's hard to say that because the movie's crossing $150 million. But by Star Wars standards, when the other previous movies have made five and six and seven hundred million dollars it's just not i think they were expecting probably a good three three fifty four hundred million dollars out of that and it's going to struggle to get past two hundred million dollars and so that now leads to the question of is there star wars fatigue 
I don't know that I want to get into that just now because I have my opinions on that, but that may be for another show. I personally am not a fan of having Star Wars movies six months apart. We had Last Jedi in December. We have Han Solo now. Star Wars should own December. Star Wars should own December, that Christmas time. That's a great time for families to go. There's nothing else out really to compete against it. Own December. And I know Episode Nine is not coming out until December of 2019. Uh, so that's probably going to be around the time that the Galaxy's Edge opens. A Galaxy's Edge should be open for a few months at Disneyland and for just a few weeks or a few months or whatever at Disney World. Uh, so that's a great time for that. Make December the Star Wars month. Don't let it be May because you had Avengers Infinity War opening up three or four weeks ago. And then you have Deadpool that just opened up. And of course you've got Jurassic World and Incredibles 2. For Disney itself, Avengers and Incredibles 2 with Solo sandwiched between it, they, they cannibalize each other. But... Avengers is already at $650 million. I'm going to imagine Incredibles is probably going to pull in anywhere from three to $400 million. So you, it's hard to say they're cannibalizing each other when you see these two movies are going to make a lot of money with Solo somewhere in the middle. So my opinion is that they should they should space these out because I like the idea of having this having this wait time, of having this anticipation. I mean, having this, you got to make me wait for it. You, you know, release Solo at least next December. Let it be a full year to wait for it and have a, you know, maybe a Star Wars December movie or something every year. Overall, the movie itself, like I said, is good. I like the movie. It was enjoyable. It was fun. It's not one that I'm going to watch over and over. I've seen Rogue One probably five times. It's been on Netflix, and I've watched it here and there. When it comes on cable for the first time, like on the streaming services of, like, stars and things like that, I probably will just lap it up. It's good. It's good. It's good performances. They did great with what they had. I think some of the, I think some of it is an unnecessary checklist of things. And again, I feel like we don't have to see everything. We don't have to learn everything. You don't have to give us a movie that tries to tell us everything. Let some things be a mystery. Let some things make us wonder how these things happened. So anyway, there you go. There's my take on Solo, a Star Wars story. I hope, I hope they didn't uh, mishmash that too much. I know it was kind of all over the place with it, but just, uh, just off the cuff, my take. I don't write any notes when it comes to this kind of stuff. I just kind of go with it and. I hope that uh, I hope that you like it. Let me know what you think about it. You can you can tweet to me at Magic on a Dollar. As I said, we're now on the Twitters with Magic on a Dollar. You can also also Instagram me, uh, DM me, whatever. Find me on Facebook, Magic on a Dollar, and Disney on a Dollar. I'm on Facebook as well. Don't forget to visit my dear sponsor, my good friend Amy Campbell, and MyResumeLady.com. Go there for your marketing, your LinkedIn, your resume help. She will be happy to help you. Email Amy at MyResumeLady.com. You actually can visit her website. The website is TheRedChecker.com because she's got this flaming red hair. She checks your stuff. The Red Checker. You get it? TheRedChecker.com. Go there uh, or email my Amy at MyResumeLady.com and she'll be happy to help you. Tell her that I sent you and you'll be happy that you did. So there you go. Episode number 31. Another episode in the books in the magical storybooks. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. And, of course, we're going to try to get this out on Tuesdays. I'm hoping Tuesdays will be my podcast day. Got some stuff coming up for the podcast. Got some stuff I want to do for the podcast. Some stuff I'm learning for the podcast. My summer of learning. Um, we're going to kind of, going to try to make some exciting stuff for you so you can get some Disney maybe even every day a little bit here and there. Not a daily podcast, mind you. But uh, we'll we'll kind of get some stuff for you, some more Disney frequency, just some, some magic in your pockets to carry with you. That's what we're working on right now. So again, my name is David Dollar. This is the Magic in a Dollar podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again for this excursion into podcast magicosity. And uh, don't forget to thank a Phoenician.